Welcome to the Technician Academy podcast. We're glad to have you back. Every other week, our host, Richard Young, takes you behind the scenes for prevalent industry thought leaders and the industry thought leaders of tomorrow. Our guests share their industry knowledge and explain how the technicians of both today and tomorrow are being impacted. For this episode, we've invited shop owner Rusty Flake to join our discussion. Rusty is the owner of Advanced Automotive Diagnostics and Repair in Whiteland, Indiana, and he's been working in the automotive repair industry for 35 years. Rusty gives some advice to young people who are interested in the automotive industry, and he offers his thoughts on how the technician shortages can be remedied. Rusty is passionate and dedicated to the future of the industry. We hope that you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to our channels and rate us on iTunes. And if there's anyone that you would like to hear from, or if you want to join in on the discussion yourself, feel free to shoot us a message, give us a call, let us know who you want to hear from. Again, thank you for tuning in. Here's your host. Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're fortunate enough to have Rusty Flake with us today. He's the owner of Advanced Automotive Diagnostic and Repair in Whiteland, Indiana. Welcome, Rusty. Why, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And we've talked back and forth a little bit in email and such, and I'm just thankful to have you with us today. You're a shop owner there. Tell us a little bit about your history in the, in the industry and where you've been to get to where you're at right now. Okay. Well, I started uh, professionally turning wrenches back in, uh, oh, I think it was like 1982, somewhere in that range. Anyway, I was at a little shop on the outskirts of downtown Indianapolis. And at that time, they were paying hourly and commission. And they wanted us to do things I wasn't really comfortable with. I wasn't brought up to uh, nitpick every single car that came in the building and and see what all I could find and how high I could get my ticket and, and go. So that only lasted about six months. And I left there and I went to a, a place that my wife had found actually, uh, a couple of towns south of Indianapolis. And and uh, it was at the time, I think four, maybe five bays. It's much bigger now. Uh, I went there and it was actually an exhaust shop. And I got into, I did some carburetor work, and I wasn't an exhaust guy at all. I was a mechanic. I diagnosed running problems, analyzed them, actually, I guess, and figured out what was going on there. And like I said, I did a lot of carburetors. So they ended up building me a little room, and I did pretty much nothing but carburetors at that time. And uh, I would build them. Hopefully, I'd have the car there, but a lot of times they were carrying, and I'd just build them, and uh, they'd take them back, put them on the car, and then they'd have to bring the car back so I could fine-tune the carburetor to the car. I was there probably, let's see, I started in 86, and uh, then I had a, a brain tumor, and it took me about six months to get back to work, and they paid me the whole time and brought me back like nothing ever happened, and around about 90, 89, 90, they were almost equal half owners. It wasn't exactly equal, but pretty much equal. Uh, the one guy wanted to go to Florida and open a shop because his father was down there and his health wasn't doing good, so he offered up if anybody wanted to go with him, he'd take them with him, and... I was the only one out of a crew of, I think, seven that, that took that chance. And I went down there, and we opened a shop in um, Palm Harbor, Florida. And that grew very rapidly. Well, my wife was from a large family, and she wanted to move back home. So we ended up moving back up here. And then he relocated down there, uh, bought a building and stuff, and has been growing ever since. Anyway, I came up here, and I worked for a, another family member of his, and uh, it was at a, at, 
a much bigger shop. It was actually co-owned. Um, uh, well, the, the original owner owned of, of the store that I was at before I went to Florida and the store that I came back to after I went to Florida. Um, the same guy owned both of those uh, solely at that point. Now, he owned half of it when the other guy went to Florida that I went with. So anyway, at that store, it was uh, seven bays at that time, and we had cars that would wait two, maybe three weeks for us to look at them, and they'd just sit there waiting on us. Uh, I was the sole drivability tech there, uh, and I would have, I don't know, at any given moment, I couldn't even count the end of the line, so I just had car after car after car after car, and, and uh, I didn't do much hands-on. I just started analyzing cars, and they'd have somebody else doing the work the vast majority of the time. And then shortly after the towers in uh, 9-11, I think it was the next year, we moved to a much bigger location. We bought an old grocery store that had moved across the street. So we had 34,000 square feet, 24 lifts. At our peak, we had 20 people in the shop. Most of them were just uh, mechanics, We uh, the, the bigger owners. Um, segregated everybody. We had our heavy line guys, we had our brake guys, our lube guys, our front end guys, stuff like that. And uh, I was uh, at that time the only one in the diagnostic analyzing area. And up until that point, I had to pay for my own training. They wouldn't pay for training. Their mindset was, oh, I'm going to train you and then you're going to quit and go somewhere else. Well, you know, at the point that we moved into that building, I would go in, I'd work a half a day and maybe take off and head to like Columbus, Ohio, which I don't know, it's like three and a half hours, four hours or something from where I'm at. And I'd go to a class. Uh, generally, they were two-day classes back then. I'd go to class till 11 o'clock at night, drive back, go to work in the morning, put in my half a day and turn around, drive back, finish up my class and come back. And after I did that for a long enough period of time, they finally decided I wasn't going anywhere and I was serious about training. They sent me to a more in-depth training course that was local uh, for several years. In that time frame, we stayed fairly busy, and I supported uh, by my analyzing, whether it was ABS, electrical, heating and air conditioning, uh, engine mechanical or anything. I kept uh, the other guys fairly busy. I was doing anywhere from 15, maybe 20 cars a day. I'd put in 13-hour days usually because that's just how I was wired. And I think my number is accurate. It might be a little, uh, a little off, but I don't think so. I did a, I did a lot of cars, and uh, I advanced myself through through the training and uh, the tooling to get it done. The shop didn't buy any of my tooling. I bought my own scanners, my own scopes, my own hand tools. And uh, after I was there ten years, then I had the option to buy into the business, which I did. And uh, I, I bought such a small amount, though, uh, that was offered to me that I didn't really have any say in the business. And as things went, the, the business started dropping off and and all, and uh, I would see many of our customers picking up their cars, and uh, they, were, they were getting more and more of them that were disgruntled for one reason or another. That being said, I would ask them what was wrong because I owned part of the business, and they would tell me something. I'd go out, talk to the other two owners of the business, and they assured me that I was incorrect. But I saw our car count dropping. I saw our return longtime customer base dropping, and 
I really struggled with it. It, it uh, was challenging me mentally, and I started having migraines every single day. And, and I was just frustrated, and I no longer liked what I did, um, didn't like where I did it or anything. So I, I not getting any younger, decided uh, it was time to open my own place for probably a year, I guess. I kept talking to my wife about it, and finally she says, you know what, take a chance, sink, swim, whatever, we'll do it. So I opened my own shop at that point. Um, didn't have any money. I had a no-compete clause. So I couldn't contact any old customers, and I had to be X miles away from where I was. And, and uh, you know, the, the business naturally was devalued because it's it's not something they expected anybody to ever sell out. So, you know, just trying to express that the funds were limited, my right. customer base was very limited, and things along those lines. And uh, I, I wanted to open a place to where I fixed what needed fixed, uh, looked for any safety items in the area, treated everybody as close to family as I could, uh, family-like as I could, um, make them feel at home when they're in there, and give them a, uh, what they were paying for, and and uh, we we grew. I mean, it was, it was slow because the first building we were at was back in an industrial park, and we had no drive-by traffic at all. And like I say, I had the no-compete clause, so I had to be very careful what I did to get customers. But uh, word of mouth served us very well. We uh, we grew every year. And uh, when my contract came up on the building I was in, I couldn't uh, negotiate a, a reasonable deal with that current landlord. So I moved down the street about probably five miles to a much busier road with uh, my building having frontage on it. And since then, we've grown dramatically. When I was uh, first starting my own business, uh, I was a sole tech for probably a year, and most of the time I was the counter person also, which was very difficult, trying to take the calls and write the estimates and actually get the work done. My wife was there some, but she knows absolutely nothing about a car, <laughs> and uh, she was uh, doing her best, but you know it, it was tough at that point. Oh, yeah. slammed every day, but but still, when you're trying to do everything, it's it's difficult. Uh, about a year into that, we had a gentleman come by, and he was an older gentleman, a little bit older than I was, and he was from a uh, not an automotive background per se. He did some heavy truck repair, and he did forklifts and, and stuff like that, golf carts and things along those lines. But um, and he wouldn't. He was scared to death of a computer. He wouldn't wouldn't get on there for anything, looking up information or anything else. But uh, he was there for almost two years, I think, until we started to move down to Whiteland. And I don't know if he didn't like that little bit longer drive or what, but he decided to leave us. And not too long before that, I'd hired another guy. And uh, he was an old dealer tech, had, I think, nearly 10 years in at a Toyota dealership and uh, approximately three years at a used car dealership. But they have a whole different way of doing things than the independent garages do. So, you know, we had to uh, do a little retraining there. Very good guy. I mean, he's an excellent guy. He's still with me. He's been with me almost two years, actually right at two years. Yeah. And uh, we're getting him into some training, and he's liking it more and more as he gets into the training and using uh, more scope kind of diagnostics and stuff on cars and, and all. And then uh, probably a month ago, three weeks to a month ago, we hired a a young in the field guy. He's, he's uh, only 27 years old. He's only been working on cars for four years. 
and haven't really gotten him into much training at all. Um, might get him into some local training coming up. I mean, everything we've done has been in, in shop, and it's not analysis kind of thing. It's more like uh, training him on the mechanical side because there were so many things he didn't know uh, as far as like basic brakes and things of that nature. And that's kind of where we're at here. We grew uh, growth sales 22% last year, which I thought was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, there is so much that you you mentioned in that discussion about where you've started, where you've come from. I mean, I mean, some of our listeners may even not even understand a carburetor. And to say that you took a carburetor and the customer brought you just the carburetor and you you rebuilt it, cleaned it, rebuilt it, put it back together, and then have to have the car to adjust and 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 actually adjust that carburetor for that particular vehicle now you know i i look and we were talking earlier you know uh, i think you mentioned that you got six or seven scopes that you use that's a long distance from carburetor and, and rest that's part of the reason why i wanted to get you on the podcast is is the experience you bring to the industry i, I think our listeners need to hear that and, and like I said, so many things you mentioned there. And first off, I want to commend you about your website. Of course, I'm doing my due diligence and looking looking at what we can talk about. And, and uh, you know, your website's phenomenal. Uh, I suggest anybody in Whiteland to, to look at that website and, and just look at the, the detail that goes into it about your, about your facility. So, yeah, I mean... One thing I got to ask you about, you mentioned one of the locations you was at, the customers being disgruntled. And then you mentioned that advanced automotive treats them like family. How important is that in today's world? I think it's uh, highly important. The, the feeling I get when folks come in here for the first time is they, they've been to places and the service was rude. It's just like oh, uh, the feeling they get is the people don't really care about them. They're just trying to get the car in so they can find out everything they can find to try and get their money. And and uh, oftentimes they express that what they went in for didn't even get fixed. And then, you know, they couldn't even talk to the people to, um, you know, that, that were running the shop. Uh, and, and most of the time the people running the shop don't have any, they don't have any ownership, no stake in the business. So they, you know, they're they're there doing their job. I mean, I, I can't say, you know, that they're doing wrong because they're doing what they're being being paid to do, but they're not being paid to treat people like they're people. They're they're there to get cars in, get them uh, worked on, and get them back out and collect the money. And, and for the most part, that's how all the shops that I personally, well, I can't say all of them. The vast majority of them that I know of is how they're geared to operate. They just want to get the car in. Uh, find as many things wrong with it as they can and maybe hopefully fix what the customer originally came in for and to get it out and get the money. And, right. uh, the folks that come in here are, are not very pleased with that method. And once they get here, and I, I just treat them the way I would want to be treated. Uh, they get here, we greet them, we try and be polite, smile, and acknowledge their presence when they walk through the door if we're busy doing something else. And then uh, we get them, and we first and foremost address their concern, look for any safety-related items in that area. Uh, you know, if we're doing, say, a coolant leak or something, we're going to look at belts and hoses and, and uh, 
try and make sure that stuff's good, filters and things like that. And if I find something, I'll uh, work up a, an estimate for it and not put it on their current ticket, but I'll let them know I had this uh, uh, in sight and you really could stand to have this somewhere along the lines and I will give them an estimate if they want it and I, I don't pressure sell it. I, I, it wasn't raised that way and they seem to really like that. And, uh, you know, we, we thank them and uh, seems to be the norm now to send uh, out emails and, and things and, and try and re uh, to, to sell your your uh, future estimates or revisions or whatever to the, to their current problem. And my particular customer base, when I was I had a company that was doing that, uh, the vast majority called back, and they really didn't like that. They liked the way we did it before. So I have done away with that. And uh, we just, you know, we've got sodas. We generally have candy or snacks or something, and everybody's welcome to what they want. We got right. water, we got coffee and tea, and and all these different things. And we we have a waiting area. The vast majority don't choose to wait around, but when they come in, shoot, we're liable to talk for fifteen twenty minutes while they're dropping off or picking up and, and things like that. So you're making them comfortable. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and you, you talk about those other shops, but I mean, we as an industry, and I, I still consider myself a technician, but we as an industry have let ourselves get a, a kind of a bad image. And I think there's a lot of people in the industry now that's working to, to fix that. I, I think you're one of them. But just creating that comfortable atmosphere that you're bringing to them was more appealing to them than getting that email, you might say. Yeah. Yep, the vast majority. I, th- I think they just like to be treated like people, you know, and uh, they don't want to be pressure sold and and uh, made to feel like if they don't face it, you know, the the things liable to fall apart. And of course, they never even experienced a, uh, anything that that would suggest they had a problem in that area. And of course, uh, most of the time they may not. I mean, because you know they just get in the car and they put gas and air in the tires once in a while and drive the thing, and of course, and, and they don't know what's going on, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they, our customers anyway, all seem to like how we do it um, versus other places, and and many many of them have expressed it. And they come back. I don't think we've lost uh, anybody yet because of the service that they've gotten. Well, and and that, that growth rate that you mentioned earlier, I mean, that's a testament to that, you know. And one thing, and I mentioned it just a little bit ago, you know, going from tuning a carburetor. To, I see on your website that you, know, you do some hybrid work and you, you alluded to it. And I, I think our listeners really need to hear this is could you have went from rebuilding that carburetor to working on hybrids without going and getting training? I suppose there's an outside chance, but the likelihood would be very, very slim. No, it's it, the way cars are evolving now. It's at such a rapid rate and the technology is so advanced that there are not enough hours in the day for me to keep up on it on my own, I don't believe. I, I think there are some people out there that um, are school background uh, so that they have the the mental capacity that they need to, to do certain things. And that's like, uh, you know, they and, and a lot of them work on cars still, but they do it in, in uh, more of a... Um, mobile kind of way to where they're going to, mm-hmm. to look at tough things and 
and they they go on they that's what they do and of course then they share that knowledge with people like me so i you know because i don't have just the tough cars coming in we do pretty much everything for me to learn that on my own would take much longer than than for me to go to a high-end training course and pick up information from um, these folks that, that do the tough cars all the time and and uh, they're scattered all around the country, so they get a vast, yeah. uh, much, much more vast variety of things than I would get here. And uh, it, it definitely helps you grow. Speaking of high-end training, I briefly was able to, to shake hands with you out at uh, Kansas City or Overland Park at High Tech Vision. Is that kind of a regular stop for you in, in a year? I mean, is that, a, is that a planned location for you to go to get training every year? vision I, I would go to vision every year if i could there there have been a couple of years i had to miss for uh, financial reasons especially when i uh, opened up my own shop i went the very first year because i well i had a little money i told my wife i said I, i'm going to vision because i don't know when they'll be able to go again because <laughs> i don't know what the future holds right right vision high-tech training between the expo which gives you a, a look at the newer uh, not only training um but the, the vendors that are there, uh, the tooling and and the different um, parts even and, and technology, uh, you just get an insight to all this kind of stuff that, that is coming up, you know, with the, uh, the driverless cars that are coming. I mean, they're already starting to teach these, these autonomous cars uh, technology and stuff. So, you know, you, you stay up with the curve as best you can. Uh, we're not lagging behind anymore. I mean, for years and years, classes were almost repeated for four or five years, and, and it seemed like things were advancing faster than the, than the classes. And anymore, that's not the case. I mean, they, they are on it. These guys uh, that, that do that for a living, they're out there. They're learning as well from engineers and, and all, and then they turn around and share that information with us. And... Uh, you, you've got to do it. I mean, cars are, are rapidly changing. Uh, technology, it's unbelievable how much electronics, computer networking, and, yeah. and all that's going on in, in your base car nowadays, much less a high-end car. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things about Vision, and and not to be a commercial for it, but you know, if, if a technician's not interested in going there, at least for a couple of days, uh, I mean, you were out there, you told me, you got out there Thursday or attended a class on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, uh, you know, maybe not everyone can get there for all four days, but just to get there and get a little bit of knowledge, uh, there is so much, the wealth of knowledge that's in that building, uh, for those four days is just unbelievable. Oh yeah. Forget the classes. I mean, if you didn't go to any classes, if you bought the expo pass, and uh, if you could, if you knew some people that could get you to know other people, the networking that goes on, the, you, you get as much probably out of networking if you're into that, um, you know, talking to other people and stuff. I mean, I started off, I was really shy. I wouldn't talk to anybody. And uh, as I've gotten older, I seem to have lost that. <laughs> and uh, sometimes I might get a little over uh, eager to go talk to people. And, and try and, and gain knowledge that way. But there, there are so many, I mean, the people that go to things like Vision or Auto Mechanica or Bumper to Bumper or any of those uh, larger events, they're there for the purpose of learning and sharing what they know. 
uh, unlike some of the smaller classes where you go and, and a lot of the people are there because maybe they're getting out of work and, and you know, they mm-hmm. just, they're, they're not wanting to be there. So they, they go to class and, and, you know, they're trying to teach a course on some of these smaller ones to way too vast a difference in skill sets and desire to learn and, Unlike a vision or auto mechanic or a bumper to bumper, like I said, when you go to those, those people are there. They actually want to improve their skills and they want to share the skills that they've already developed with everybody else that yeah. maybe less less uh, along than they are. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we've both been in the industry for a good little bit, but uh, it seems to me like that high level training is a lot more accessible now. Uh, than it used to be. I mean, you, you mentioned Auto Mechanica. We got Vision. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, the KOI Cavalcade in Cincinnati. Uh, they put on some good training, the bumper to bumper training. I mean, uh, there, it seems like there's a lot more access to high level training than there used to be. Oh yeah, I think that's growing uh, almost annually. Uh, the the number of places that you can go uh, around your country. I'm in an area. Actually, that uh, the the big events or probably the closest one would be Cincinnati, and quite honestly, I haven't been to that one. Um, you know, closest one other than that that I went to was uh, Lansing or or uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. in that area, and I would go to events there in those locations. Um, because there was, uh, well, back in the day, Jim Linder uh, in Indianapolis had a yeah. really good training event. I, I loved going to that. I learned a lot there. And he had a, uh, his his way of doing it, uh, he had what he called a guru program, and you'd start off, and the whole year was geared towards, you'd start off at, at one place and work your way to a much higher level. And you had, uh, he had like guru one, guru two, guru mm-hmm. three, and that was meant to advance you along the lines to where you got, you know, well advanced in your in your training, and that was really awesome. And he had a uh, an expo annually too, which was really good. But uh, other than that, the the area that I'm in, the Indianapolis area, uh, training doesn't seem to go over real well because people apparently don't want to advance themselves for the vast majority in this area. So there aren't a lot of shops that do the computerized. Right. things all they just want to do the maintenance easy work and, and quite frankly most of them aren't too good at that <laughs> well you recently just hired a, a young tech uh he said he was 27 how important is that for him to to get enthused about that training well i think the guy that i hired actually wants to progress himself i think he wants to learn he's only been working on cars for four years um was at one shop according to his resume for that period of time and I think he actually wants to learn so I think he wants to get to the point to where he can go to this training and and start using the tools to do the analysis on on things like the uh, the other two of us do and uh, the the uh, availability of that um, is going to benefit him greatly and I think he knows that and and he he really looks forward to it now is it hard up in Indianapolis area to find qualified technicians? There are several people that I know, but they're older, probably my age or older. The ones that are, are actually 
around in this area that I know of. I mean, there's probably some younger ones that I don't know, but uh, in, in percentages, I think the percentage is very low. Well, I mean, we hear all across the nation and, and just about in any industry magazine you pick up or websites you look at, it, there's there's an article or a mention of the technician shortage. And, and I shared with you earlier, and I, I've said this before to our listeners, I don't believe there's a shortage of people able to turn a wrench. I think there's a shortage no. of people that can actually diagnose and understand how a car works. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on a parts cannon. But, you know, actually being able to fix the car the first time in the correct way, I think there is a shortage. I believe that would be correct. We get cars from uh, maybe 50, 60 miles away from different shops. Uh, shops wife is in his cars, uh, and they've done it since I've owned my, my own shop. Um, they, they get to a point that they're, they're tired of messing with it, and they've already put just about every part you can put on it on it. Um, I, I, I have a few case studies that, that uh, you know, uh, they probably would have fixed the, the car correctly if they would have used a decent part very early on, too, sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that's one thing that we we don't learn. Um, I think as an industry, sometimes we try and and cater to uh, uh, more of a, a cost, and I'm guilty of it, you know, keeping a cost at a certain level um, to to – People are funny that own cars, in my opinion, in that, you know, they don't mind to buy uh, wheels and tires that, that they want to put on their truck, or they don't mind to put a stereo in that costs a couple of grand or something like that. But when the car comes down to the car running correctly, functioning correctly, uh, whether it's uh, the computer controls or the braking system, I mean, brakes aren't that simple, and everybody thinks they are. Uh, they've gotten more complicated. Yes. We've got a... Uh, We've got a Volkswagen in now that you can't do the rear brakes without a scanner because if you don't command the the rear calipers to park, these things are liable to attack you when you take them off and you'll never get the pistons in to get the pads back on anyway. Um, and they've been that way for years, but most folks think you just pull them off, pad slap them, get them back together, and bada-bing, bada-boom. And not the case. I mean, the thing is, suspension's not what it used to be. Steering's not what it used to be. Uh, those are getting to be very complex systems too, but uh, yeah, like I say, we get get cars from shops uh, on a fairly regular basis. I mean, it's not daily, um, and they put on everything they can, but they don't understand what it is they're trying to do and how to get there. And it's unbelievable how many times it's as simple as a, a fuse blown in a circuit, and then. Maybe they've already changed the part to blew the fuse, but they didn't put the fuse back in, you know, yeah. and, and things like that. I mean, good grief. I think automotive repair individuals have a, a high tendency to get tunnel vision. Yeah. And, and it's programmed in us a little bit. I mean, we get a repair order. We have a complaint. We solve that complaint. I mean, that's, and that builds that tunnel vision. I think it's dangerous, especially on the day's vehicles. You know, you mentioned the Volkswagen. Uh, I was in an ADOS class at Vision this last weekend. And, you know, some things that I didn't think about necessarily that affect ADOS that really, uh, when you look at the system you're working on, you wouldn't think it had an effect. But something as simple as suspension, you know, if the suspension's off slightly to one side or the other. Uh, it can affect the uh, the ADOS system. So, you know, we these cars are interconnected anymore. You know, the brakes, the, the 
even the cooling system and the, and the air conditioner and heater. Um, so those technicians, those, those people who, who send you a vehicle, they're sending you a vehicle because of your experience. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, I believe so. And that experience was gained by, by training. I mean, that's training and actually being in the Bay. If you had a young person, Rusty, that, you know, is fresh out of high school or starting into college and, and he stopped by and wanted to ask you about, um, you know, the automotive industry, what would be your advice to him? If he was wanting to get into the field, I, I would tell him, continue on with your training. I mean, find a shop that you can work at. Maybe I, I'm not open weekends, but if you can find one that's open weekends or maybe open a little hour, uh, later hours in the night, if you can find one there to, to apprentice at, do that. But try and go as far in the, in the schooling as you can. And of course the real world and, and the schooling is slightly different. They're, they're doing a little bit better job in the schooling of, of doing real world scenario stuff. Um, cars don't always agree with the book, even though, you know, it's how it's designed to be. So you, there's, there's a little retraining on some stuff there, but, um, and I would tell them, you know, after you're done with your schooling, continue on, uh, you know, find a place that's willing to let you go to and, and pay for it for you. I don't think you ought to have to pay for it. I mean, I did it for years and, and I, I didn't mind it because that's just how I'm wired, but get somebody that's going to send you to, to different training courses, whether it's vision or, or bumper to bumper, or, uh, maybe something that's being put on at a community college around you or something, or, uh, sometimes in this area, you'll, you'll find other shops that are uh, sponsoring a class or something. And right. if, if you can continue on with your education that way, that's all good. And, uh, you know, if you're getting into the analysis side of it, you know, look at a lot of cars, as many as you can, uh, you know, invest in a small scope or something. It doesn't have to be the biggest, baddest, baddest thing out there, but, but get it and look at a, a bunch of non-broke cars, save files so that you've got a, a database of, of known goods so when you get that problem child car in, maybe you've already looked at one and and have a, a, a database of different sensors, what they look like when they're good, and you can compare it to what you've got and, and come to a decision quicker maybe and easier on what's wrong with it and, and look at scan data numbers and, and all because sometimes you can't easily find that information once you just sensor read it at this temperature and, and right. stuff kind of keep a file of that stuff one of the things i mean and and that's extremely important because we technician academy puts on a uh it's a small basic dso class for community colleges it's about a three-hour class and you know and i'll tell them that this waveform that i'm putting up here this is a good one or this is a bad one but if i didn't tell them because they've not experienced it they've not had those good vehicles or those ones that's failing in front of them they wouldn't know and and building that library i think you you mentioned that i think that is an extremely important piece especially when you're doing your diagnosis oh yeah yeah and 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 you can join like iatn or identifix or something like that and they have waveform libraries um you know google even as far as that goes i mean you can google and get on youtube and and you know you don't you kind of got to weed out the the do-it-yourself or stuff kind of thing because a lot of that stuff uh, hit or miss 
but uh, there are plenty of actual well-trained technicians on there that are starting uh, more so now than ever before putting up known good waveforms and um, different ways of attacking no starts because the no starts not as easy as it used to be. I mean, you know, it used to be you had a hardwired switch to a starter uh, via a relay or something, and anymore that's not the case. So you know, you got you got to keep up with that stuff, uh, and it's been that way for a while. I mean, but but still, to a lot of people. They're, they're still not looking at it like anything more than a hardwired switch to a relay to a starter, and that's how it works, or, or to an alternator even, you know, it used to be very similar. Yeah. Um, and, and they are definitely not that way anymore. No, I was just doing, I just got done reading a, a pretty lengthy article on diagnosing some, I'm going to call them smart alternators, and it's totally different than it was 20 years ago. And it requires some different tools. You know, I, we mentioned, and I'll go back to it, the gentleman you just hired. What was some of the things, I mean, I assume you were advertising for a for a technician. What were some of the things you were looking for? Yeah, I had a, I had a highly intelligent guy here, uh, very bright. Uh, really loved what he did uh, as far, especially on the analysis end. I mean, he, he was a real go-getter, and he ended up uh, leaving us to move back home. And uh, I needed a guy. I didn't necessarily need an, an analysis kind of guy, but I needed a guy. And, and I had a couple of people come in that just didn't fit the bill at all. And this young man came in. He, he seemed to be a uh, respect. You know, he, he, he gave you respect. Uh, you just had the, a feeling that, that he was going to be that way. Uh, he didn't come with any tools or anything. That's fine. I got tools. Um he has some somewhere, I don't know, anyway, whatever, but he didn't have them with him, so I've got the tools. I don't mind that. Um, but, he, but he did uh, mention, you know, well, he's only been at it for so long, but he really wants to advance himself, and uh, he would like a chance. And, and I thought, well, you know, I would like to have somebody that, that doesn't have a preset notion of this is how it's got to be and, and stuff, and we can try and bring them up the way I would like them to be brought up to where they're uh, actually going to, really care whether or not they fix the complaint that the person has and, you know, make sure that it's fixed when they're done and do it in a professional way and, you know, not just rush through and, and uh, maybe break things along the way and not mention anything about it and just put it back together and all, right. uh, hoping that it doesn't come back in a week or two. Uh, we try and avoid that. Not that uh, we're anywhere near perfect but we we do our very best and if we do do something wrong we we own it uh, so i, I want to try and teach them that that's how i think they should do things you know it's all you, you try and avoid breaking things and all but if it happens you say hey i broke this i uh, what do you suggest i do is there a way to fix it or do i need to replace it or whatever and, and at least then we get the car back to right yeah or truck or bus or whatever so so you might say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, he didn't have a lot of experience, but he come in with what a lot of shop owners tell me is lacking. He come in with some soft skills, some ability to, to show respect and, and some humility of, I, I don't know everything, but I want to learn. So, Absolutely. I mean, those are very valuable. And we go back to how you treat your customers. You know, him having that ability helps you in, in that customer and, and treating that customer like family. Oh, yeah. And anything your guys do, especially while they're on the clock, you know, reflects highly on the shop. So, you know, if, if they're, you know, if 
summertime, if we got the doors open and, you know, there's, uh, uh, I, I don't have any females working with me. I've worked with females before, and, and they're some of the best techs I ever worked with. But, um, you know, guys are guys, I guess. And uh, uh, But if you got the doors open and they see a gal walking, if they want a wolf whistle or something like that, you know, I mean, on the one hand, I, I can kind of see that. But on the other hand, I mean, we're at work. We're going to be professional, and that's going to look bad on the shop. So let's kind of tone that down, you know. Yeah. Um, things of that nature and when people are in the shop they'll cuss and carry on just you know um, try and keep the noise levels down as best you can I'm a small shop everything echoes around uh, if you come up talk to a customer give them you know the information they need it in a way they can understand it and they'll listen to what they've got to say and be respectful of them and, and uh, the guys I've got and the, the folks in the office my wife and my daughter uh my daughter just started. Uh, they're they're very good at that. So really, the way to be. I think. That leads me to another question, Rusty. I mean, I don't know the age of your daughter or anything, but were you excited for her to come into the automotive industry, or was you a little apprehensive? Oh yeah, I, I'm glad she came. I mean, she's uh, not not in the repairing car right. end of it. I mean, but she is in the talking to the to our guests that come in that that need something done and and making them feel comfortable and and uh, writing our estimates and, and stuff. And like I say, she's been here. She just started this week, so she's not real well-versed at it. <laughs> she's not been in the car end of it, uh, but she's eager to learn. She's capable of learning, and, and she's very good with people. So Good. Uh, I'm glad she came along. Well, that's great. That is great. I mean, I don't see you anytime in the near future retiring, but do you see her carrying on? You know, I don't know that, that she would. I don't know, but she wouldn't. We, we, I mean, she's not near comfortable enough with it to even right. begin to talk about that sort of a thing. Uh, I've got a uh, my son. He works on bigger trucks. He really hates cars, so I know he's not going to be wanting to do it. Uh-huh. And uh, of course, my wife won't be the one to do it. I'm sure because we're, you know, uh, probably going to want to think about retiring and stuff at about the same time. Yep. Yes. She, you know, uh, kind of thing. Um, I'm kind of hoping that one of the guys that I've got here, and I don't know which one at this point, uh, I hope we continue to grow in the time that, that I'm here. And like, yeah, yeah kind of like you, you uh, suggested, I'm not in any hurry to go anywhere. <laughs> no, I don't, uh, I don't see that. I, I don't see that you're but, in a big hurry to do that. But certainly it's been in the back of my mind that uh, I would like to be able to, to sell the business. Of course, right now I don't own the property, but uh, that is a, possibility down the road i think and if i did then that's just that much more uh, uh valuable for somebody looking to buy a business if you own the ground uh, they know that they're not going to have to worry about being in that building you know like oh whoever it is that you're leasing from is going to lease it out from under me and stuff like that so you know um but i, I would kind of like for one of the guys that that are here uh, I think they're going to stay. I don't think they're going anywhere. We try and treat them as well as we can. I'm not the richest guy in the world and, and all, but I, uh, as the business grows, I hope that their uh, benefits package and their pay grows and, and they want to stay and their training keeps keeps going. I hope to go back to Vision every year and, and take as many people as I can. I don't know that I'll shut down and just take everybody, but uh, I have done that before, uh, but there was only two of us here. Right. so. Uh, but but I would like to do that, and I think I would like for one of those guys maybe to uh, have interest in in buying me out somewhere along the lines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that just goes continues that that relationship with the customers, uh, you know. And and I know I'm, I'm blessed 
that I still work on customers' cars that are actually grandkids of, of customers I had several years ago. So, you know, being able to continue that is, is extremely vital. Yep. Yeah, if you can do that, that's, that's great. If you can uh, gain the trust of the entire family, you know, and keep it going that way. Um, and, and, too, I think, you know, as far as whoever was buying the business, if it was somebody that had been working here and already familiar with the customers, it would make that transition way easier than, than somebody absolutely brand new coming in and taking over and, and stuff. And, you know, I don't know on my end that I would want to make a commitment to staying on another two or three years or something to right. ease that transition. You know? Right. So I, I, I got another, I'm kind of curious what your opinion is, is, you know, going back to the technician shortage, why? I mean, we see a huge uh, group of technicians leave this industry. Young technicians leave this industry every year. Uh, I think Chris Chesney quoted uh, 60 or 61 percent leave this industry every year within the first year of, of being in the Bay. Why do you think that turnover is so high? My personal opinion is I think that the American youth has totally gotten away from wanting to do actual hands-on work. I think our society uh, has gotten to where the, the youth wants to make a huge amount of money right out of the gate, which typically doesn't happen in this field. I mean, shoot, even after you're in this field for a long time, especially if you own a shop, the uh, um, oftentimes the pay isn't anywhere near what it could be in a different uh, uh, field. And, and we as owners are are probably a lot to blame for that. We beat ourselves down on prices and stuff, uh, even though we full, know full well, you know, the training and the tooling and the um, cost of keeping our tooling up to date as far as scanners and, and whatnot, uh, subscription costs and, and uh, all these things. But uh, I think the youth are, are wanting to make a huge amount of money, not have to invest in tools, not have to invest in the training, uh, almost seems like they don't even want to invest the time, much less the money. And, and I don't personally believe they ought to invest the money. But I do think that that uh, if I'm going to invest the money to send them to training, they should be willing to invest their time to better themselves. Right, and right. I'm not sure a lot of people want to do that anymore. Yeah. And and, and I, I think you're, you're correct. I think there is a demographic of, of young people that are that way. And, you know, and I've been fortunate uh, over the last five, six years, I've been able to go to several community colleges and put on training for community college students. And, and I see there are still some young people that, that want to get in this industry. I think, I think some of it, uh, is the pay. I mean, you, you mentioned it. I, I think part of it is the pay, uh, the tools, I mean, the expense of tools, but you know, I, that's a whole nother subject is how we, we get those industry, those future industry leaders into the industry and keep them here. Yeah, that's something we're going to all have to have the, uh, uh, the business owner um, meetings uh, more and more. And I haven't quite honestly done my share on that end because I'm fairly new as a business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we're going to have to get together as a group and, and figure out what to do on that end. And, and there are, uh, groups that get together and there are classes and, and things along that line um, and I think they're probably making some strides but um, yeah I don't know it's it's tough getting getting the ones I think the percentage is very small the ones that don't mind to get their hands dirty and and 
get get down in there to even I mean even if you're doing the what's considered cool stuff, doing the scoping and all that. I mean, you know, I uh, the other day, probably a couple of weeks ago now, maybe three, I had one in that that I had ten leads off of a, two separate scopes on. Uh, not that I had to have that many, but I wanted to watch all these signals, and if I watch them all at the same time on an intermittent problem, when I get it backed up, then I've caught the information I need. But you still had to get dirty to get there, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, the leads don't connect themselves, and, and I just think a whole lot of it is um, the, the younger folks don't want to do that. They they don't want to get into the hands-on. They want to do the computer stuff, and uh, whether it's building apps or or uh, internet security or whatever, I think they would much rather do that than than this end of it. Yeah. So that's just my so, so it could be said that you're you feel pretty fortunate to have found a young man that uh, is enthused about being in that position. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just hope he uh, keeps that way, and and that we have the ability to uh, progress him so that he that he keeps that and uh, wants to come along. You know, I well, I tell you, I don't in this area anyway. It's it's seeming kind of dry, and I see other areas. You know, whether I'm talking to people or on Facebook or whatever, that they don't seem to have the same problem. You know, they've got guys that are willing to go to training, and, and they have uh, people waiting to get hired and stuff. Uh, certainly in my area, I don't I don't have that luxury. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, Indianapolis by far is not a small area, but there are certain areas in the, in the country that see it worse than, than others. So, yeah. And that's that's part of it. So uh, you know, Rusty, I, I I've taken up quite a bit of your time. I hope that uh, you know we can have further conversations. I've enjoyed it. You, you bring an interesting perspective to my listeners. You've been in the industry a long time, but yet you're still and don't take this wrong, but you're still a young shop owner. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, being able to bring that perspective from your area. And, and you're not, like you said, you're not a 12 or 20 base shop. So, uh, I think you bring a great perspective to the listener. I, I'm thankful for your time. I do have one thing I need to ask. So tell me about Harley Santa. Harley Santa. You know, Harley Santa came about by, uh, I bought a Harley Davidson and it, uh, well, being in the area that I'm at, you know, Midwest and whatnot, it gets uh, a variety of weather. But uh, when I made the investment at Harley, I felt as though I wanted to ride it every chance I could, providing there was no ice. So my wife told me I couldn't ride it in the wintertime because there was absolutely no purpose behind it. (laughs) So Harley Santa came out of that no purpose. I created a purpose to ride it. Well, then I didn't want to just ride around as a guy dressed up as Santa Claus, so I started putting these little packets together that uh, are page protectors. With we put three different coloring pages in it. Um, some of the local restaurants donate us crayons. We'll put those in. A uh, couple of years, I bought candy canes. After that, my uh, tool supplier uh, for a couple of years he bought some candy canes. Um, my service writer that I used to work with he bought some one year. Him and his father-in-law. So we put candy canes in, we put the coloring pages in, we put um, the crayons in, and we t- we put these packs together, tape them all up. We've been doing, most years, an average of somewhere around 2,500 these packets. Wow. And I, I created a 
Uh, well, I took a, a plastic barrel and I put a Santa bag around it and I notched it out so that I can access these packets. And then I have a bag on my windshield and I had I decorated my windshield. I painted it and etched it and stuff and, and painted it and lighted it up. And uh, I go around and I stop at grocery stores and when I see kids, I'll give them a packet and let them get pictures if they want. Uh, I go to a few stores and I'll go downtown to Monument on uh, the Circle and mm-hmm. I'll park up there and uh, oftentimes I'll get a hundred kids a night or more uh, come up and they want pictures and packets and and it's really awesome, uh, especially you know year after year some of those kids keep coming back, but uh, you get the, the kids with autism or Down syndrome um, they really get into the the Santa thing a lot of them and and uh, it's it's such a blessing to to be able to bring a, a smile to a kid's face. And, and especially when they come back, you know, uh, multiple years in a row. And, and then the parents say, you know, this is the highlight of our, our thing and all. And that's what, what it's all about, making the kids light up, you know, and, and bringing them some cheer. And uh, so since then, you know, that has also grown every year. I mean, we just I have a blast with it. And uh, the, the kids are just awesome. Well, I, I, I commend you. And, and I humbly, humbly commend you. I. You know, to take that initiative and to do that um, out of your own pocket. And really, you're not looking for anything other than a smile on a child's face, Rusty. I, yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. I, I that's good. That's great. And and that you know, and that that speaks volumes to why your customers keep coming back, treating the customer the way it ought to be, the way they ought to be treated, like family. Uh, so yeah, I commend you on that. Now. Like I said, I uh, I've had you here. We've been been on the phone now for right at an hour. I uh, you know I've taken quite a bit of your time, but I hope I hope you consider uh, having a conversation again in the future, uh, in, in in a year or so, and see how things are going at Advanced Automotive Diagnostics. So, Rusty, I I thank you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I would ask, is there anything that you want the listeners to, to, to hear or know about this industry or about you before we go? Oh, not so much about me. I mean, I'm just a guy that's trying, like you said, I, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new to the uh, business owner side. I've got a long way to go there. I got a lot to learn. Um, I try and listen to uh, a lot of the folks that come in here that, you know, either own their own business or, or have complaints about the way businesses operate. And I try and absorb that and, and make my business um, better off of that feedback. Um, you know, as far as the industry, uh, overall, I think the vast majority of people really care. Um, we get a bad rep because there there are some places that don't. And, uh, you know, I, if that's the case, if I, I would like people, if they have a bad experience, uh, someplace, whether it's a chain store, uh, and and I think probably more chain store bad experiences happen because the the people aren't the owners that are running the place. Um, I think maybe if they find a mom and pop shop somewhere uh, and and not necessarily use them right away, but go by and talk to them, see what kind of a feel they get for the shop that they're at uh, when they visit. Just you know. You're coming in, you're not necessarily looking for work. See if they're just going to blow you off because you're not there or if they're going to actually give you a little insight onto what their business is about. And I don't know if that's solely automotive related or 
or not. But I think uh, I welcome people to come in and check us out and see what we're about, what we do, and how we do it, and why we do it, and, and all. And uh, I think if you look around and you, you do the smaller shops, uh, I believe they would probably find that they would get better service and, and um, you know, as long as they get one that actually you can tell by, by the cleanliness of the place or or whatnot that they actually invest in their business. And you can see if they have training certificates on the wall or if they got ASE uh, for their employees on the wall and, and things of that nature. And if they do, then they surely care about what they're doing and they're going to care about you. And uh, I think the folks would do that. It would benefit them a bunch. Yeah, and that's that's good words. That's that's good words for my listeners to hear. So, Rusty, I, I'm going to let you get home. And if I'm up in Whiteland, Indiana, expect me to stop by. That, uh, that'd be awesome. Especially around Christmas, I want to see. I want to see Harley Santa. <laughs> All righty. Well, I'll let you ride along being an elf if you want to. <laughs> well, I may take you up on that. But like I said, I, I hope you uh, I hope you grace us again someday on the podcast. I, I really enjoyed our conversation. And just the experience you bring to the industry, I, I appreciate it, and I'm thankful for it. Like I said, uh, you know, I've kept you away from your wife for a while, and I know your day's done there. But as a shop owner, I'm not sure the day is ever completely done. Oh, no. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, if you're ever in the area, feel free to stop by. I'd love to love to show you the shop. And I mean, it's it's not a big, beautiful thing, but it's a uh, it's well tooled and and uh, seems to flow pretty good. And I like the people that I work with. I like the people I work for. And you know, I got more bosses now than I ever had, and I <laughs> love pretty much every one of them. Well, you know, one of the things that and it really sticks with me is you've got more scopes then you've got bays oh yeah, yeah so yeah. that tells me that you're serious about diagnostics we love it yeah absolutely so yeah thank you again and, and i appreciate it rusty all right have a great night thanks for listening to this episode of technician academy's podcast series brought to you by premium guard filters and extend performance be sure to rate us on itunes or google play and visit us online at technician.academy We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Please help us spread our Respect is Learned message by liking and sharing our content on your social media pages. Technician.academy, where respect is learned.